Hello and welcome. We are DMs After Dark, and this is Modified Roles, a podcast where a bunch of GMs with varied experience with tabletop RPGs talk about topics in gaming and GM stuff. I'm Amber, and I have Christian Rainey, Jess, and Sarah with me today, and we're going to discuss character death. Character death, the 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 terrifying world that <laughs> no one wants to deal with because it's sad. I mean, maybe it's just me, but mm. Yeah, it is sad. It can be very sad, but I think a great place to start this would be when is it appropriate to uh, kill off a character? Or when is it appropriate um, to have a game in which that is an expectation? And I think we should tie that into our last episode. If you listen to our last episode, it was about session zeros and about setting expectations between GMs and players. That's definitely something that uh, Amber talked about. And you should be aware of the potentiality of losing a character in a game ahead of time. Yeah, I mentioned that sort of in our last episode that that's part of a session zero is talks about safety and making sure that everybody is going to be comfortable during the session and how to address moments where things become uncomfortable. So that's one of the things that I always make a point to talk about with my players. When I'm GMing, I, I let players know straight up, this is like my personal style, that I will never permanently deprive them of a character that they love. So I tell them before we start the campaign, when we're having our session zero, talking about making character stuff, I let them all know, like, hey, character death probably will happen in this game or definitely can at some point. Do not panic if that is happening to you. Take a deep breath. I will talk with you after the session and we will figure out something that works for the story and you. So death may or may not be permanent depending on player comfort and the, and the needs of the story, but it's definitely something that they have agency in and say in, in, in any of my games at my tables. I think agency is a very important note because nobody wants to die pointlessly, right? I think that's the, that's the biggest thing. And, and I have some notes that I made when we're going to this. And, and one of the notes is one of the, the things that I believe the most about when it comes to character death as a GM is that nobody's PC should ever die to a random dice roll, right? It just sucks if you were, you know, the first guy to walk down a hallway in the dungeon and you didn't roll, you know, the right roll to detect the trap and now you have to save or die, which was, you know, part of a very old school D&D. And some people like to play that way. And if you had a session zero and you talked about that and decided on it, that's great. But not everybody does, especially if you took a long time to design a character and wrote a background and did all that stuff. Uh, and now, you know, that story goes untold. To piggyback on what Amber's saying, I think it really depends on game, right? I think people can have a certain level of expectations if they're playing Dungeons and Dragons, especially fifth edition, where there's a little bit more survivability with characters, as you will hear me talk about many, many times as we continue doing these podcasts. I DM and write for a call of Cthulhu. And one of the very first things I do when I'm starting with new players is say, listen, we're not playing D&D here. You're playing some very, very vulnerable PCs. And there's a reason for that. It's because it's horror. And we're going to do an upcoming episode on horror and, and why that is. But they have to know that uh, because if you don't tell them, and they go in thinking that, hey, I can you know, get into a fight with the big monster. Uh, they're not, right? The stat block for Cthulhu says he eats 1d12 investigators around. So people should know that going in. Yeah, I actually, I'd like to piggyback on that as well. You just said um, that you run a lot of Call of Cthulhu, which is a game that it should be the expectation going into that game. You're not heroes like Dungeons and Dragons characters. You are investigators. You are human beings. You are fragile against the terrors of uh, Lovecraftian design. The thing about 
character death is it should really be a conversation about the game you're playing. If we're going to sit down and play Dungeon Crawl Classics, it starts with a funnel. It starts with level zero characters who don't even have a class. There are a bunch of commoners that just have to defend their village or something. And basically everyone gets four or five level zero commoners and whoever survives manages to become their level one character. So character death is right from the get-go part of the game. It's a really great way to just say, do not become attached to these characters. Obviously, some other games are going to be a little different, you know. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons is one of them. People get really invested in these fantastical characters they're creating. They see a game where you can take a character from levels one to 20, and if you cut them at the knees at level four when they had plans for what they were gonna do at level 11, well, that can be really disheartening. I was just going to say that I think for me, the controversy behind character death, though, is that if you know that a game is going to avoid character death, right, does that remove the risk that's involved with the game, right? Are you a player then who's making, who's playing your character and you're making more riskier choices because you know that there's not going to be an ultimate consequence, right? Does that remove kind of the the intensity of the situation or the game, you know? Um, and I think maybe that comes down to really playing your character really well, but I, I don't know, you know? Um, I just wonder. <laughs> That was just a question. Great question. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I have I have some thoughts on that. Um, it does it. Death is obviously one of the highest stakes that a character can face, or, or in a player honestly can face in an RPG is the idea of losing something that they love, and that can certainly motivate uh, tension and whatnot. And in horror games, that's that's a good thing, and usually that's agreed upon at the table. Like this is this is a permanent consequence, and that will contribute to the feelings that you're looking for in a horror game. Um, but I would also like to point out that like death is not the only negative, like permanent death and removal is not the only negative, severe negative consequence that can come from character death. Um, if Even if you're stuck playing another character for like an entire adventure or something while you're trying to figure out how to return the other one, like that's a bummer. That's tough. Like I don't want the character that I love to be taken out and then to be playing like, you know, the side character that's going to come in and out while we're creating like a believable return. Um, that, that is something that I would like to avoid and try very hard uh, not to occur. And then there's also, um, depending on like the, the fantasy elements or science elements of your world, um, there can be some devastating, uh, but really, really good role-playing opportunities coming from death and return from death, uh, which are honestly sometimes like a joy to play. I really, I really like that when we, uh, I've had characters, uh, die at the table and then I'll tell them like you know I'll be with you in one moment we're going to finish this finish this combat and step outside with me and I have something prepared like you open your eyes and you're somewhere else <laughs> like you're in hell we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna accumulate some some trauma here and uh by the time your friends get you out your character is gonna have a lot of opportunity to change which is really fun um uh and sometimes stressful <laughs> That's really good, Amber. And I wanted to go back to, to saying that, you know, with death, is it or is it not, a, a, you know, if it's off the table, obviously the game feels like it has no risk, right? Uh, and I think that a lot of times in, when you're having a session here and you're talking about these things, one of the thought processes to have is that, does it have to be on the table all the time, right? So if it's a matter of, you know, a D&D game, then you, you're pretty sure if you're playing 5e and you're playing not by the sandbox sort of campaign that the encounters you're going to be in are kind of balanced, right? So as long as you trust your DM, you have a sort of, you know, faith in the process of that, anything that we're going up against as a party, probably at least have an even chance of beating. 
right? Now, if you're running a sandbox campaign where it's like, hey, if you guys wander into the wrong forest in your first level and it's filled with trolls, you're going to run or you're going to be lunch. And that all those things need to be communicated uh, ahead of time. But I think that, again, I go back to, you know, you shouldn't die from one role. It should come with a warning and it should be the result of choices that you make as, as a player for your character, right? Uh, if someone's going to die randomly, have it be an NPC, have it be the porter that you hired to carry your stuff, let the big snake come out of the water and eat him. Everybody knows now that something dangerous is going on. And now people can make informed decisions of like, all right, we know we're in a dangerous situation. What are we going to do? If we're going to continue and then they get into a fight and, and their characters die, that was based upon people making decisions with information that they had, that they felt was the right at the time. Yeah, that's a great point, which is if it's something that the characters themselves, if the players can avoid this consequence, but go into it anyway, well, then that's something that they have to learn as a player. If the expectation was set that this could be a deadly encounter and they say, well, I'm not worried about it because I have plot armor and then they do something stupid, that's on them. Another thing that you mentioned, Christian, was it doesn't have to be on the table all of the time. This is a great idea, and I've seen this actually designed into certain games where they actually have what they call significant encounters, or um, in the game Seventh Sea, death is really only an option if you are fighting what they call a named villain. If you're just fighting hordes of some kind of low-level monster, but you're swarmed and overwhelmed, well, guess what? Those small goblins or whatever they are, in Seventh Sea, they would be something else, but in a game like Dungeons and Dragons, if you're being swarmed by a bunch of low-level, low-CR creatures, those don't have the opportunity to kill you. Even if you lose and go unconscious, well, this is where uh, maybe your character is going to have some lingering effect or something like that. There are optional rules in the Dungeon Master's Guide for 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons where you can have madnesses or uh, lingering injuries, things like that. Um, But it would be agreed upon that in an encounter without a named villain, a big significant encounter, which I think is a term that they use in Pathfinder 2E for certain abilities that recharge and things like that. If it's not a significant encounter, then death isn't on the table. But does that mean that all the risk is taken away? I don't think so. Even in a game like Amber was describing where she says, don't worry, death isn't necessarily always the end. It doesn't mean that you can't take things away from that player. Um, And that's something that I think we're going to go into soon and talk about alternative consequences to death. But before we get there, uh, does anybody have any comments about that kind of taking death off the table doesn't necessarily remove risk or fun from the game. Because one of the best things about playing a tabletop role-playing game is the chance you might lose. I mean, like, that's what gets your blood pumping, right? You know, when you're looking at your character sheet and you go, I can't take another hit from this character, that's a moment where you're either going to step up and be amazing and have a story to tell, or, you know, you're going to have a devastating loss of a character. And that, you know, that could be awful, but it could also be, appropriate or it could be you know it could be an amazing moment for someone else so yeah I I definitely agree with what Christian has been saying about uh how much it just like completely sucks to have a character die for like a random encounter you rolled like on the road um and that is something that uh if there's a those game systems that you mentioned right now are very interesting where you can only die in specific encounters but as a GM, that's something you have a lot of control over too. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about fudging roles in the future at some point, but you have the opportunity to determine whether or not character death at this point will enhance or diminish the plot and character arcs. 
uh, I kind of always feel like you should be asking yourself, like, if somebody dies here, does that enhance or diminish the story? Does it enhance or diminish everybody's character arcs? Um, if it diminishes it, then then why have it? Fudge roll if you need to. A near-death encounter is something that can also bring uh, good story uh, and good role-playing elements to the game. Um, but that's it's it's sto- creative storytelling. That's what RPGs are, and you want to write the best story that you can. So sometimes... You, when especially when players have a choice like is this something that you are willing to die for like it's do you want to make that statement about your character and if it's one of those scenes then yeah death should be a very real threat and if it's like a random encounter with like a giant bug that happens to be hunting on the road like no this is so <laughs> this, this takes the fun out of it probably for everyone at the table honestly not even just the, the person in risk of dying so um that is something to definitely keep in mind I'm just going to sneak in real quick and say, I've been that DM that, and we have a note about this in our little outline here, Tomb of Annihilation being a problem child for multiple reasons. Um, I've ran a group through Tomb of Annihilation and because it's a hex crawl through thick jungles, you know, random encounters happen. And I killed a PC with a random red wizard and a cone of cold. And it was not cool. I really shouldn't have done it. And after I felt terrible, but I had to live with it, and that person hung up that player character, and we had to figure out another reason that Tomb of Annihilation is rough is because how then do you say, you find another character in the dense jungles of Chult? That's a, that's not good. But anyway, that was just my uh, shameful story of a bad DM moment. That's actually a perfect segue into something that I was going to say, Rainy, which was don't be a dick uh, <laughs> as a DM. Guilty. Because you know what? You can win every single fight if you want. As a GM, you're going to win. You're going to beat the player characters. You can just keep throwing things at them until they're worn down and they're dead. You have to ask yourself if it's worth it. Is it enhancing the game or not? Right. And so, I mean, that's one of the points I want to make. The other one, getting back to something you had said earlier about, you know, if death's not on the table, can the game still be fun? I think it depends very much on on genre. And I'll give you an example. And something I'm going to talk about later in some systems is superhero games, right? Like superheroes don't die. They come back or they do and they come back. Like, you know, there's like a revolving door of death there. So defeat, though, can have some very real consequences if you're playing that sort of game because you take other things away from them. Right. Maybe their base gets destroyed. Maybe the people they care about, you know, get taken. Gwen Stacy gets taken and chucked off a bridge. Right. And she's one of like the three people in in comic books that haven't ever come back. It's Batman's parents, Uncle Ben and Gwen Stacy. They'll never come back. Right. So you can still have consequences in games where actual character death isn't on on the table. Um, I just wanted to give uh, a quick example of something Amber had just briefly mentioned on fudging rolls. it's okay as a DM to fudge a stat or two. Um, I will say from personal experience, I am currently running the Rise of the Rune Lords game of Pathfinder First Edition. And if any of you are familiar with that, uh, you will be familiar with Zanesha, the Murder Lamia. Uh, for anyone who has not gotten there in the plot, I will give no spoilers. Uh, however, this is a fight for seventh level characters and usually Pathfinder has an average party of four. Zanesha's armor class is 26 and I think that's bullshit. So uh, when my players came across it, I said, no, her AC is still high, but it's not 26, it's 19. And to balance it, I just gave her some more hit points. 19 is still high, but 
I at least wanted my players to have fun fighting her. They still had a really hard time and she was a rough battle. And I got everyone down to way lower health than I realized as a DM. Also, I did not track hit points. Horrible at that. But it's something that you can do in order to have it still be dangerous, but give your players a fighting chance, I guess is what I'm saying. And I would just like to say that as a player in that campaign, I appreciate that, Sarah. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, I was I was just going to say, this leads into uh, a qu- another question that I had too, was just how much, it just sounds from what I'm hearing that a lot of this is on the GM side, right? To me, is like how much of this is on the GM side to man- like manage and control or how much is it between the GM and the player? Because like, do you be meta about it, right? Do you approach a situation where like a player, it would be really funny if they just like died because they tripped over this treasure chest, right? Like, and would they be okay with that? Do you know what I mean? So, but do you as a GM be like, okay, you know what? That That's not gonna happen because that's dumb. But like, does that take away from the player's um, story that they wanna die this crazy death? Do you know what I mean? Like how, how much of that do you think should be really managed by the DM? And I, and I say this just because like, uh, I'm not great about this, right? So like sometimes I'll kill a player and I'll be like, oh, oops. <laughs> and my player will be like, well, that sucks. I'm like, okay, let's talk about it. But yeah, how much should be managed on the GM side? I personally do track my players' hit points. Uh, when I play Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, I have little initiative cards and on the back of it, I have their armor class, I have their hit points and I have their saving throws. Wow. So I know when I'm throwing something at them whether or not this is going to be something that might take them out. Wow. And unfortunately, uh, in the example that I gave earlier with Tomb of Annihilation, I just, I rolled damage and I hadn't thought about the fact that they'd already had a encounter earlier that day. And what I thought wasn't going to kill that character, that PC, unfortunately did kill that character. So. <laughs> that was Jess's whole Pathfinder 2 game with the exploding barrel. <laughs> correct, correct. Well, I was going to say, Frankie, that seems like a lot though, right? Like what, what other ways can people do? Like, do you just, do you just pay attention? Do you check in every once in a while to be like, Hey, where are you guys at for hit points? I kind of check in, you know, I don't, I mean, I think it's important as a DM to know where your character's at, particularly if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons where, you know, all these characters are complex and they have a lot of different bells and whistles and stuff they can use. Uh, You're important. It's important for you to know that stuff if you're building, you know, counters against for them. But um just, hey, you know, they're in a big fight. They, they they won, but maybe they barely won. You might not realize it. Just kind of straight up ask. Be meta about it. How are you guys looking? Most players will also, like, scream medic more and more the closer they get to death. So <laughs> if you just, like, listen to that, you're like, wow. Like, John has said medic 14 times in the past two minutes. Do you think John's going to die? <laughs> An interesting conversation to have here is because we're, we're gearing a lot of this conversation towards games like Pathfinder and Dungeons and & Dragons which have hit points, a very tangible, very mechanical, mathematical, you know, representation of a character's life force. And sometimes that it can be, sometimes that can be helpful. Sometimes that can just be a bloat and something that isn't really easy to justify because technically at one hit point, you're just as effective as you are at 80 hit points in those games, which isn't an easy thing to manage from a GM's perspective. Um, but we'll actually have another conversation. We'll have another episode about hit points and the abstraction of that kind of thing later. Um, but that is just something to think about. Just to add on to, just because, um, we are talking about a lot of like GM management for this players, just 
be kind of graceful, right? About um, your your GMs will make mistakes, right? I am a GM that constantly make mistakes. I kill people all the time and I do not mean to, but um, I know that sometimes when my characters um, die, right? I take it really hard. <laughs> I take it really hard. I get a little salty. I'm not the greatest person about it, but you know, not, again, there are situations that you were warned, right? Like you go into it and you've made the wrong decision. You made stupid mistakes and your character costs for it, you know, but sometimes things just happen and um, that's the way the game goes. And just, just, just take that with a grain of salt, you know, GMs aren't perfect either. So they make mistakes. Yeah. And I think that we're going to talk a little later about how character deaths can affect players can affect DMs. Like we, I've talked about my guilt about killing a character off. Um, And I had to check in with that player and be like, I'm sorry. I know you had big plans for this and I didn't mean to just do this, but at this point we're a little late and per the rules of Dungeons and Dragons, if Cone of Cold brings a character to zero hit points, they're frozen and they're dead. There's no getting around it. But I think this is a perfect segue into, well, what else can you do then? You know, what alternative consequences are there to death? And one of my favorite things, we're going to talk about it as we do in every episode of Modified Roles, how do different games handle death and how do they approach it? How does it work? Why do some work and others don't? But one of my favorite quotes is from Legend of the Five Rings, a Japanese samurai-focused pseudo-fantasy game, a very cool, incredibly flavorful game. They just say it right out, and I think it's perfect, is death is not always the most interesting outcome for PCs. Um, and in a game about samurais and Japanese cult, like a uh, pseudo uh, feudal Japan, the best thing about playing a samurai is surviving to bear the shame of defeat. You know, that is an entirely new character arc in a game like that. That's huge. That's so much more interesting than your character dying. And there are plenty of other ways to work with your char- work with your players to make way more interesting things happen in a game than being like, oh, unfortunately, that character's out forever. So does anybody have any examples or things that they like to do, alternative consequences that they prefer to killing off characters? This is, so this isn't something that I have directly done, um, but it's something that I've seen done. Maybe the bad thing doesn't happen to the character, but the character's failure or the character's failure to act has made the bad thing happen to someone else. You know, Spider-Man loses the battle and Mary Jane dies. You know, Spider-Man is the player character. He's not, you know, he's not that hurt. He's fine. But the emotional weight of Mary Jane's death will be with him forever. The same thing can be done to any character in a role-playing game even ones like Dungeons and Dragons where you're playing these larger-than-life characters and they're changing the world well they're not the world so much happens around them that sometimes the biggest emotional gut punch isn't your character dies it's your character's childhood best friend is back and they don't remember you they've got nothing And that's the biggest emotional gut punch you can give to someone. So like, don't hurt them, hurt what they love. That's dark. That sounds really sadistic and I'm so sorry. Love it. But like, it works. That's that's fantastic. And remind me to stay on your good side as a player. <laughs> um, and I will never form any attachments ever again in any of your That games. is too late. You literally got your PC is. a girlfriend. Like you're I know dead. I, did. I am, that sucks. 
Uh, yeah, so you kind of stole some of my thunder because I was going to say that, you know, hurt the world around them, hurt what they love. Uh, but the other thing I was going to say, which is great, is capture. Like capture is awesome in any game. Uh, I'm thinking of it particularly, I, I kind of look at this as, you know, alternatives to feet. I've played a lot of, of a, a superhero game called Mutants and Masterminds, and, and they write a lot of really good stuff about this because, again, death is pretty much off the table for superheroes. So then it's like, what else is there? What are the consequences of defeat? You failed. You didn't protect the thing. You got captured. You know what's awesome about being captured? You get to talk to the bad guy. Because you almost never get to do that. Think about it. It's just some guy who hangs out in a dungeon. You get to the fourth level. You, you lightning bolt at him. He's dead. End of story. But if they're captured and you get to talk to that bad guy, well, now you know it. Maybe he talks about why he or she is doing, why they're doing what they're doing, right? What, what's their point of view? Maybe they think they're right. All good villains think they're the heroes. You get to build that stuff up. Uh, and, you know, you get to have maybe some recurring villains, uh, which is awesome. Uh, it's great. That's one of my favorite things of running a superhero campaign because people really, really, really hate those villains because they keep popping back up. But they get to know them. I mean, think about it, if you read comics, think about the you know symbiotic relationship between like Doctor Doom and the Fantastic Four, right? I mean, they hate each other, but they're also like almost a family. I and mean, literally they are actually. Doom is, is one of their daughters, godparents. But anyway, um, so like build up your villains, right? Uh, you can do that with capture. You can do that. Let them let them have their villainous monologue. Maybe they leave the hero for dead and, you know, on some death trap and then they get to escape. It's a cliche, but man, it's a fun one. Uh, so do that stuff, right? That's that's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm also a big fan of um of capture too. Blades in the Dark actually has like basically a mini game that happens when you go to jail. Like, <laughs> like you have your own, you can like get turf and stuff in prison. You accumulate trauma, but you also accumulate like contacts and a different kind of power. So um, I'm a big fan of that. Whenever I have a uh, player um, captured in a new sort of situation, like I usually try to make that turn into a mini game. So like between sessions or something, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like either meet up with you or talk with you or text you or something. Some of the things that's happening while you're captured and you do have some choices there too as well um, how you endure your capture or player capture is going to affect the sort of information and the types of trauma that come out of it and that is also something that we definitely have uh, safety discussions about before embarking on I'll still be like okay you've been captured like what are you okay with happening to your character like I'm not going to torture like physically torture your character or do any sort of like mental torture that you're not okay with but that's interesting to some players. Some players are like, I want to replace somebody with this particular trauma. And I'll be like, well, this is a great opportunity for it. Like, I'm okay with that being in the game. Everybody else is okay with that being in the game. If you're down for it and you want to take on this, this role-playing opportunity, let's go for it. Um, so uh, I, I do like capture for that purpose. Um, I also like just uh, traumas in general. Some games have mechanics for accumulating traumas and some games that's just sort of up to role-playing. I do feel that... Um, Trauma is something, is a consequence, an alternate consequence for death that works better with people who are kind of strong, invested role players in their character. If you have characters who kind of, uh, players who are more like just in it for like, you know, the dice, the fun, the laughs and stuff, and they don't really dig into their characters like that, then trauma is not a good consequence, especially if they have no interest in role playing it. So that's something to also like kind of know and discuss uh, with your players and know your group with before you decide that that's an appropriate alternative consequence. Yeah, and that ties into something we talked about in our Session Zero episode, you know, talk to your players about what they expect, what they're going to want out of this game. If they're those heavy role players, that's a perfect thing. I think capture, imprisonment, those are great ways to not only show the enemy's hand, give a glimpse behind the curtain, what's going on in the enemy's side of camp. Um, also, I'll, 
it builds up an opportunity for the other players to do a rescue mission or for that character to do a breakout mission. Uh, like Amber said, to have little mini games on the side, things like that. I have Winter Soldiered a couple of my players. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, basically uh, you're captured and you're brainwashed and now you're part of the bad guys. Um, that is definitely something that you need to get your players consent from because that's not you killing their character, but it is taking their character out of their hands, giving the GM or DM control of their character for a short period of time, but offers up yet another amazing small arc for the other characters to do. They can introduce another character to play a little while alongside the established group to rescue their, their missing friend, their captured friend. Um, even if you don't do it to the player character, you can do it to, like we talked about earlier, one of their favorite NPCs from the game. They come back and find out, oh no, our miscalculation, our error has caused this other person, this person we love to be captured. And now all of a sudden they're brainwashed and they're working for the enemy. It's just a great way to, um, sometimes you can do it where you temporarily take a pawn off of the chessboard. And it can be very interesting to see how the group dynamic shifts and changes when you do that. Um, I was just wondering how you guys felt. Well, I actually had two questions. One of them was, I was wondering how you guys felt about either NPC or outside intervention that comes in to prevent character death. Kind of how, is that something that's good or is that something that, depending on how it's handled? And I guess my second question is, uh, a lot of what we were talking about are kind of alternatives to right before character death, right? And I was wondering if you guys had any thoughts or suggestions or if you've ever been in a game where the consequence or the alternative happens after character death, right? The character comes back, but they have some sort of either mission or change or something like I, something like that. Jess, I wrote down something that would be perfect for the second question. And I have a story for the first question. So you are my favorite right now. So NPC intervention completely depends on how it is handled. Um, it, I think it mostly, so the GM is, has to be the one that handles it, but it also depends on knowing your players really well. Um, the story I'm going to tell is specifically about a player that I've been very familiar with. They get very nervous about character death. Um, and similarly in the vein of um, their animal companion. So they uh, decided at the beginning of the game, this was a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition game, that they wanted to have a pet duck. And the DM said, are you sure? A duck, you can have this other thing, a panther, a wolf. And she said, no, I want a duck. And he went, that duck's going to die. I have to make sure it doesn't. So uh, when the time came and the duck was gravely injured to the point where the DM asked her to make a, saving, a death saving throw for Steve the duck, because that was his name, uh, she rolled the dice. And then on the successful save, the DM goes, Steve stands up and turns into a massive owl bear and tied it into the lore that Steve the duck had been a wizard experiment where he was spliced between the DNA of a duck and an owl bear. And that was the perfect way to handle it because it was like, well, there was danger for him. But here was the, the, um, the reward for it, I guess. Um, Rainy, did you have a, you're making a face. Did you have a question? <laughs> I, saw. I, I just don't know how I feel about a DM making the decision to change a player's 
animal companion that's an interesting thing that i would hope that they discussed with the player ahead of time but that's just i i don't know if they discussed it beforehand but these two had known each other for a long time um so if it was a new player and someone you didn't know very well i would say on the fence about it but if it's someone you knew well and you knew they would like that then go for it one of the justice questions she asked was uh how you feel about like npcs swooping in and saving the day um i personally really don't like kind of deus ex machina forced things like that it sort of ruins my um suspension of disbelief for like the 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 reality of the world or the smoothness of the story um but sometimes you get it's probably like sometimes it happens to the best of us like you get yourself into a situation and it's like well it's like the game it's like tpk and or like half the party's gonna die and they're gonna make new characters and it's like way too late and that new characters coming in late it's gonna ruin the dynamic like it's gonna ruin everything like if i don't stop it somehow and you just like have to lean on that um, I would much rather uh, kill the player and then work out alternate consequences for death than have a deus ex machina event prevent the death at all. I think the deus ex machina event ruins the suspension of disbelief more than like, okay, you're dead. Um, do you want to keep playing your character? If so, like, how do you feel about this possibility? How do you feel about this possibility? Like after the session, I think that is less disruptive almost. Um, but that's personal, and sometimes every once in a while you just need <laughs> you need an NPC with a heel. Like it's the only way to get yourself out of that situation. But I would minimize that if possible. I would say unless, and and this could be very rare, but unless you can think of a really awesome way to work that in on the fly, where that NPC or that group of NPCs coming in to save them actually winds up resulting in more complications for them, right? Because now they owe someone, you know. And so now like, hey, I saved you. I own you now. You got to go and you got to do this for me. That sort of thing. Still, I, I agree with Amber. It's still, it still doesn't feel quite right. But I mean, there would be circumstances you might just, you know, lightning would strike him as come up with like a great idea, right? Yeah. And when you do that, if it's a, if it's a callback to, or it's available because of choices players had made earlier in the campaign, that helps it a little bit. Yeah. The other thing you mentioned, Jess, was um, after death and... Something that I have seen done that I really liked is talking to someone beyond the grave. Your character's dead and you're just in this space, wherever it is, whether it's a white void or a forest or their childhood home. And someone's there that whether it's a loved one that's died or if you have a religious uh, character, a god, a nature spirit, and they just sit down and talk. And whatever that conversation is could completely change the character's attitude coming back. And it also gives that player a little gift, I guess, of this moment of role play with someone or something that is really important to them and can also remove some of the emotional stress of death for a character. So that's just like a little thing that could be done just to kind of give them like, hey, here's this thing. Now go forward with it. So. That was all really good. Um, yeah, kind of took the sales, uh, wind out of my sails again, Sarah. I'm, I'm not liking that. I'm sorry. I... It's okay. It's okay. Great minds. Great minds. They do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with something else I was thinking about. And it actually ties into a game that I haven't gotten to play, but I really like, which is that, all right, Jess said to answer the question, what happens after the character dies? Well, you know what? Mythology is full of stories of people going to the underworld to get their friend out, right? 
So you literally go to hell or in D&D, you can go to the outer planes, right? Or you go wherever where their spirit is and you can kidnap them back from the God of death. And that's like an awesome adventure right there. Right. Uh, and the game, the game in, in, in question that I'm thinking about too is Invisible Sun. It's Monty Cook's Invisible Sun, uh, where you play these wizards in this kind of like surreal, weird ass world. Uh, and you know what? When you die, you become a ghost. You got to go to the underworld. And it's just another world. It's just another world. And your character changes a little bit mechanically, but for, you know, most part, you're just, you're, nothing changes. You're just dead now. And you can come back to life, but there's some things you have to do if you want that character back. And there can be some consequences in the meantime, you might lose your house or, or you will come back change that is actually built into the game. Uh, and so that's a mechanic I really like, actually. But then what do you do with the player while the rest of the party is delving into the underworld to rescue them? Like that player who died, what do you do with that? They can build another character in the meantime. Yeah, that's usually a great way. Or like in the meantime? Or an NPC that they know they huh. like, you know, uh, stat them out a little bit, things like that. Oh, that's good. But idea. yeah, there's always, there's always options. That's a good idea. Now I think that's a perfect segue to talking about how different games approach this. Christian, you talked about Invisible Sun as a game where mythology factors in quite a bit. And there's plenty of mythological stories about going to the underworld to rescue someone or a group of people going down into the nine hells, things like that. Um, And I think that there's plenty of opportunities in other games to investigate this what happens after death kind of idea. And not necessarily always a long-term thing. Uh, Sometimes it can just be at the moment of death. And to kind of segue into this, how different games handle it, I really like Dungeon World has a special move called Last Breath. And I'd actually like to read it in for a second because it's pretty succinct, but I think it's a great way to handle a role-playing moment. It's kind of a great balance between character uh, choices and leaving it up to a die roll. And then I would like to give another example after, but here's Dungeon World's last breath move. When you're dying, you catch a glimpse of what lies beyond the black gates of death's kingdom. The GM will describe it. Then roll, just roll, plus nothing. Death doesn't care how cool or tough you are. On a 10 plus, you've cheated death. You're in a bad spot, but you're alive. On a seven and nine, death himself will offer you a bargain. Take it and stabilize, or refuse and pass beyond the black gates into whatever fate awaits you. And on a six minus, your fate is sealed. You're marked as death's own and you'll cross the threshold soon. The GM will tell you when. Now this actually, I've seen groups do this where even on a six minus, the GM gives the player basically a last action, something they can say or one last thing they can do heroically to really cap that player's journey. I think that's a really cool mechanic. and since it even says that GM's going to describe what's beyond the black gates of death's kingdom, it's this really great way of if it happens multiple times in a campaign, death's kingdom can look very different to different characters. And the bargains that you'll get from death can be very different based on player characters. Another really interesting game that I really like and is kind of built, I think it took a lot of inspiration from Dungeon World is Fellowship, second edition of another Powered by the Apocalypse game. And what's really cool is they have a condition when you're taken to zero hit points called taken out. And actually when that happens, it's up to the player to decide if they're dying. It's the player's option. Was that moment enough for you to say, I think my character's gonna potentially die from this? Or 
offer up another alternative. Like what else is going to happen? What's the bad thing? And it kind of gives the player some agency in that moment to say, well, things are looking very bad. How bad? That's cool. That's very cool, Rainy. Um, so I just I just had a note because you, you had mentioned Dungeon World and that, you know, the Black Gates of Death and fate does something very similar in conflicts. Uh, they don't necessarily call it death because in fate, you know, conflict could be anything. Uh, but when, when you're about to lose a conflict in fate, um, the character has a choice of conceding. And if they concede, they actually earn a fate point that they can use later on to be awesome. Right. Or they can say, no, I'm going to fight on. And if they then lose the battle, the enemy gets to choose what happens to them. And that consequence then could be death. So that puts it in the character's hands uh, of, you know, they get to decide what they want to do. Uh, and I think I think that's a great mechanic. Mutants and Masterminds has something similar to the superhero game I've talked about a lot tonight uh, with, with hero points. Uh, it's actually almost built into the game, a genre emulation of, you know, you should lose a couple times fighting whoever the big bad is. Uh, and you get hero points and you get to use those hero points to do awesome things later on in the grand finale and look super awesome doing it. So loss, including death, doesn't always have to be bad. Uh, and ideally you should set your game up where, you know, death isn't the only consequence. Yeah, I really like uh, what you were describing, Rainy, about that. And I would encourage people to kind of incorporate at least at the very least last words, if not last actions when you're about to die, because one of the worst feelings in the world, like in addition to just being killed by like a random giant bug on the road, is to have death just like just cut short a well thought out character arc that you were invested in. And what something like the Black Gates and or last words, last actions sort of thing, um, or like you're going to die very soon, the GM will determine when, is it gives you a chance to um, get closer to filling out or finishing that character arc if that is where you wanted to go with it, if you were close um, to make that lasting impression, to pay respects to this uh, this character that's probably been with you and your companions for a very long time. And those are those last moments can be some of the most memorable parts in a campaign if you just give them the opportunity for it. Um, and it can also be, a it can round out a character arc enough where like maybe the per person is not done with the character yet, but they're willing to retire the character for who knows how long until it's genuinely surprising when there's a return or a temporary return from that character talking to them beyond the grave or something. Um, I want to give a very quick uh, lighthearted example. Um, I know character death can be a really difficult and dark topic, but I'm going to talk about paranoia really quick. Uh, paranoia is a lighthearted romp through a sci-fi dystopia where the computer is watching you. Your character can and will die multiple times, but every character starts the game with themselves and then four or five clones of themselves. So when your character dies, a tube just comes out of nowhere and drops off your next clone. It it's a game where the consequences of death don't matter, so death isn't always a bad thing in cases like that. Uh, and I think paranoia does it pretty well. Yeah, that's a perfect uh, that's a perfect point there, which is allow the players to make that decision too. Even in a game like Fifth Edition Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder Second Edition, which are very mechanical and how they handle the opportunity or the potential uh, death of a character. You can offer, I actually have a homebrew rule in my fifth edition game, which is if you're making death saving throws and you just say, you know what, this is a really, really great opportunity for my character to die, but do something excellent about it, like use their death to make sure no one else dies or have a really great st like final stand moment, 
I have an option where it's, I just say, you fail all your death saves. You're, there is no coming back from this. Revivify will not work. Resurrection will not work. Go out in glory. And they have the option to do that. They can get all, and it basically says, you get all your spell slots back. You're at full health for one whole turn. You get up, just go do whatever it is you got to do. Just explode, you know? And one of my players has done a very similar thing. And that's what inspired it. He basically was going down. They were, it was again, Tomb of Annihilation. They were in, uh, they were imprisoned by a group of yuan and they were down and they were in a very desperate situation. And he just went, I cast fireball on myself and basically just blew himself up. But it saved the rest of the group from what was pretty much going to potentially be a TPK. But that was a very emotional moment for that player. He struggled making the decision to say, I'm going out. I love this character, but you know what? He's a sad guy and I don't want this to be the end of his journey, but this is a great moment. And I think that that's a great segue into what's probably going to be our last point about character death in games and how that does affect players and DMs on an emotional level, their mental state. Um, some people get into playing Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing games to escape reality, to escape heavy things, to do all this stuff. Sometimes people want that potential you know, moment. It's it, That's what makes it exciting. But even when it seems like something everyone agreed upon and it was a great story moment, everything like that. Sometimes a few days later, somebody could be sitting there going, well, that sucks. I'm never going to play that character again. And that can weigh heavily upon them. So a very important thing that ties into safety tools and what we talked about in our session zero is how PC deaths can affect players. Um, and there is, you know, very good reason to just always check in with your players or even check in with your DM if they've had to make a tough decision uh, to kill off a character. In between your game sessions, check in with everybody, make sure they're still having fun, make sure that it, it wasn't uh, a really rough experience on their part. Um, I just want to talk about with that something that I have come across. Um, part of my role play experience uh, is that I have been a LARPer, live action role player for a number of years. And one of the big terms that's kind of come around that community within the past couple of years is emotional bleed. Um, which basically because you are embodying so much of yourself into that character, you're living them, you're dressing as them, you're doing their voice, their actions, all of that it is very easy for their emotional state to bleed through into yours personally. Um, and I think that can also happen to Dungeons and Dragons players, people who, and other role-playing game characters, but this is just my easiest parallel from LARP to D&D. Um, they are so invested in their characters. They're so important to them. They really become a part of them um, so that it's very easy for emotional bleed to happen. Um, and I think it's something that um, should be talked about within a session zero, just like, hey, like if this is happening as a DM, just be like, I will be your safety tool, talk to me, we will figure out how to work around this. Um, so it's something that I think people should be aware of because not only is it important to like be prepared to happen, but knowing about it ahead of time can prepare you to be like, all right, hold on, I have to step back this isn't what's happening to me. I'm feeling this because of this. And then emotionally check in with yourself and self-care and all that, so. Kind of to go off of that, uh, to go off of what you were just saying, I wonder as a GM, are there ways that you can kind of honor a character's death 
after they've gone within the game, right? If the game is still playing, um, are there ways that you can kind of bring that back and reference them to, you know, both as a healing thing for the player and for like the party itself? If anyone has any of those ideas, post it to us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram now. So I've never actually been able to do this, but it's something I've kind of always wanted to do, you know, when I have the time and willpower to put it together is to have like an occasional like one-off or short session with dead characters from from games past, like a day of bones or something, you know, like a day of the dead occurs. You come back for 24 hours. What do you do? Um, something like that. It's always just sounded really fun to me. And that gives people a chance to combine characters from like different campaigns that may have never crossed paths. And it's just something that can help your player know like your character is dead, but that doesn't mean this is the last time you're going to get to experience them. And it at the same time, doesn't make the death any less permanent in that campaign though. You know, it just leaves, it leaves, it leaves a door open. So it's not like a permanent, um, a permanent and untimely closure. Yeah, I think a great point too. And this can actually, I know this entire episode is about characters who've, who've died in the game, but a great way to honor your players' characters in future campaigns and things like that is to just put them in the world again. Um, if they didn't die, if they managed to survive or what happened, even if it was one of the alternative consequences where they were captured and that rescue mission never panned out or anything like that, the person just started playing another character and said, you know what, let's just get back on track. Whatever happens, uh, put them back in your other games. And something that I've done, and I know that not everyone's going to do this, and we're going to have a world-building series eventually on this podcast, is I made my homebrew world, and I went way too in-depth with it, and I made an entire pantheon. And what I did was I just used my old player characters' names and just made them the gods of my homebrew world. So now every time my regular players come in and they play a game, they say, oh, you know, who's the god of who's the god of the forge and i say that's einar and my friend will look at me and just go you son of a bitch um one one thing with uh is just said honoring old player characters is so um as i said last episode i got really big into role-playing games my freshman year of undergrad and it was my first time really doing it for a long time and uh, this is also when I experienced my first major player character death. Uh, she was a level nine character when she died, um, and I played her for almost a full school year. Um, our DM, and I actually have it in front of me, our DM wrote up in memoriams for the characters that died. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because it is long, but it has a picture of her, her name, level one through level nine, September 13th, 2014 through March 21st, 2015. A little bit just like a, a like a beautiful like eulogy of sorts. Um, and then cause of death, what happened. Um, but obviously, you know, this was a death from 2015. It is 2021. I still have this. It always will have a place at my desk and will always have like, the importance and value of that character to me is like solidified in this in memoriam and it's become really important to me over the time over the years that's beautiful oh my gosh I would have loved that for one of my characters yeah I'll send a picture of it to you guys and maybe I'll post it on the dms after dark facebook page oh wow what an honor (laughs) that's a great idea I like that idea so much more than other things I've seen where you know 
upon character death, DMs like rip up character sheets or like burn them. I don't do, do that. that. Please don't. That's that's traumatic. Jess does that. She does that. She's like, you does killed she? me. I want you all to feel bad about how bad I feel. And she shreds her character sheet in front of you. <laughs> hold up. Hold up. That is not the reason why I do it. Okay. I saw someone do it um, on like a D&D Twitch stream and I thought it was great. It was a way for me to kind of, pro- it's only my own character. I don't rip up other people's characters, but like when my character has died, it's a way for me to kind of just like feel that finality and just like more in my character. I just rip it in half, just one rip, you know, you know, let it be the player's decision. Yeah, though. for sure. Don't do it as a DM. Does that mean you always want your deaths to be permanent, Jess? Uh, that no, that's a good point. I, I yeah, only if it's permanent. Only if it's permanent. If I know by then that it's a, a permanent thing. Gotcha. Granted, I know that I ripped my character sheet before it was permanent, but yes, I, re- I remember. <laughs> that was very sad. Okay, it was a difficult time. <laughs> but yeah, have you guys seen? other kind of ways I know that we talked I think Rainy you had mentioned um like other ways people have honored their characters like afterwards after the game has ended I think Rainy you had mentioned that people were posting like their character sheets for like reuse which I thought was beautiful um I never considered that before especially for like um maybe either NPCs or like one shots and stuff like that so that's actually a much sadder story, uh, but it is an option in other ways as well. Uh, there is a subreddit called Adventures of Galder, and maybe we'll post that on our all of our social media as well. But that's actually a way for uh, p- groups who have had actual players pass away. Um, the human beings in the real world who have unfortunately uh, passed away, they post their characters to this subreddit so that way you can drag and drop them into your campaigns and your worlds and they will live on forever. And I think that is one of the most touching things I've ever heard of. And I highly recommend everybody go to the subreddit Adventures of Galder, peruse those character sheets. And if there's any way at all, you can incorporate one of those you know, player characters as an NPC in your world. It's just a great way to honor the people of our hobby. Oh, wow. That is so much more beautiful than I thought. I completely read that wrong. That's amazing. Yeah, I got choked up when I found that subreddit. I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, moment of silence for sure. (laughs) I know. On that note, it's so sad. (laughs) It's so sad. I feel like we should not end quite on that note. (laughs) but on that oh yeah you know I was thinking about I know some people have made like I don't know koozies and like knitted things and stuff Uh, I love the idea of like an obituary I love the idea of like um Amber was saying that like game later on where like dead characters come back like I was just wondering if there's more of that that's great uh this is a very small thing but the same character that has the the in memoriam um her animal companion also died uh, and he was a snow leopard if you guys know the iconic Druid Linny, this is her. This is the character I've played from Pathfinder. Um, and that the Snow Leopard uh, died at level three, and I had a very hard time with it. So what I did was after the game, I went back up to my dorm room, went on Amazon.com, and purchased a Snow Leopard plush that I have to this day. And genuinely, it helped me cope a lot with, with losing him. And I know you can't always, you know, get a plush of your D&D character, but like, this is not a sponsorship, but go to Hero Forge and get a miniature of them. Find something that you think resembles them or that they would like. Like if you had a character that drank tea, go find yourself a nice teacup in honor of them. Just something little to have that will always like 
remind you of them and keep them with you. Another thing you can do to honor uh, characters that have died is to just have their actions and their lives in the world while they were alive matter. Um, it's like a really good feeling for after a character death several sessions later to like come back to a PC who's seriously mourning that an NPC who's seriously mourning that character like other people whose lives they've affected care that they're gone and they feel that um and that some of the actions that they've taken the most most people are playing uh games where the characters are doing at least some heroic things sometimes uh just showing that that had a lasting impact on the world and on other people outside of them and to like not let them be completely forgotten in that way uh, I I just wanted to, before we kind of wrap things up here, I didn't know if anyone wanted to talk about their own experiences with character death. I know, Christian, you had mentioned it before we started recording, if you wanted to tell that beautiful story. All right, I'll mine's it's just a funny story. It goes back to my original point of don't being a dick. Don't be a dick as a DM. Uh, but it was it was my very, very first character. He was a thief. He was a level one thief. This was an original D&D. Thieves had 1d4 hit points. I think I had two. And uh, I don't know what adventure it was, but basically there was a castle and they had to cross a drawbridge to get in the castle. And in the in the moat was an eight headed Hydra. And so I lost the initiative score and got eaten by a Hydra You know, before I knew what I was doing. Uh, tried to run, tried to do all that stuff and, and couldn't because I couldn't get away. And there's a classic example of like, you know, nothing was foreshadowed. It just stepped on a drawbridge and got eaten. You know, don't be that guy as a DM. That's all. That sucked. That was my that was my intro to D&D. Ah, oh, that's ah, oh, that was your first experience. That sucks. After that, it got much better, obviously. But yeah, obviously, you're here. Yeah, I was just gonna say that, like, all of my character discs are like pretty much just my fault. <laughs> my my characters have like lit themselves on fire. Uh, I made a character that was like, I think like a minus four for Constitution modifier, and she just put a seven in constitution or was it a six in it pathfinder was, it was a seven yeah i don't know i they, they're usually always my fault <laughs> those are my character deaths you asked for it <laughs> as a forever dm i also followed the blades in the dark uh methodology for running characters which is play your characters like a stolen car i whenever i get the chance to play uh, a regular pc in a game i typically play very poorly and that's by design because I want to see, you know, just how ridiculously I can go out. Exactly, Rady. My mine's by design as well. Yeah. Yeah, you guys, uh, if you are listening to our Shadows of Esterin campaign, uh, Jauved, my character, my rogue, is sure to be at least in trouble, if not dead, by the time this episode airs. <laughs> are you are you really are you really pinning it on him that that quickly? first session i trust troy to ruin me well that's fair all right well thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of modified roles we do really appreciate it as we are kind of starting up on this new venture it is really awesome uh to have gotten all the support we're getting we love you guys if you want to chat with us at any point, you can slide into our DMs at DMs After Dark on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, if I am hearing this correctly. Yes. Or you can email us at dmsafterdark at gmail.com. We are also live streaming at twitch.tv slash dmsafterdark every other Friday. As of recording, we are currently playing our Shadows of Esterin game, uh, which is very exciting and going to be very chaotic. So thank you guys all so much for listening, and we will see you next time time.